1: everybody i'm reggie williams founder and ceo of ambrosia for heads and with me i have jake payne our editor-in-chief and together this is our what's the headline podcast we got a very very special guest this episode he has a new album out called the autograph he's got one of the consistently great catalogs in hip-hop i can't remember like a bad project and it's been a long time going none other than joel ortiz joel welcome how you doing man
2: what's up gentlemen thanks for the wonderful intro
1: (laughs) of course man uh you know i always look forward to your projects last time we spoke i think was around your project uh with with apollo uh mona lisa last one yeah yeah and that was one of my favorites of the year so you know always always looking forward to it
2: thank you man i appreciate it i appreciate you guys always reaching out showing love and support man for real
0: of course of course All right, man. Yo, so, I mean, speaking of Mona Lisa, you know, I wanted to ask you, you've done a lot of business with various labels over your career. But, you know, with Mellow Music Group, you've been with them for about three years now or so. That relationship and what you did with Apollo on the last album, and obviously with Autograph, has yielded some of the best art of your career. You know, talk to me about how that association has affected your art, if at all. Well, as an artist,
2: you know, you create... And you draw the best without pressures you know without without dates hanging over your head and um music that needs to be made because somebody else feels like that's what's needed for you um Mm -hmm. just you know people taking the brush out of your hand and saying paint this way it's it's not conducive to creativity in my opinion um mellow mike and i are friends you know it's not a situation where I'm like signed to this label and I gotta deliver albums. It's just like Mike. I'm in. I'm in. Um. I'm in the zone again. Let's Let's work. We We part. We partner up, and we get the music to the people. He gets my art to the people, and um, he does it in a way where it's just like Joel, You know, any any anything I can do to help producer wise or reaching out to someone, you just let me know. But go ahead, do your thing, and just let me know when you're ready to go again. And that's the relationship. So. You know, having the freedom to reach out to this guys, so hit the hit the heat makers, and you know which I'm where I'm at now, and just work with them, or get on the phone with Salam Remy, or you know hit up uh, has my boy Hassami, or you know if it's Apollo, and just do what I want to do, and take my time, and listen back to things, and kind of nurture my projects. That's the best thing in the world, and Mellow gives me the place to do that. You get what I'm saying?
1: Mm, of that's course. Dope. We've uh, yeah. often talked about them as being kind of like a new raucous, you know, uh, that kind of freedom, okay. but also supporting, um, you know, music that is about bars and musicality. You know, uh, definitely one yeah. of our favorite labels. You know, so Absolutely. your your bars are always on point, right? Like that—that that goes without saying. But a lot of times, you inject storytelling, and it's effortless, right? You don't even realize till you're halfway in. It's wow, a story is unfolding here. Uh, can you talk about what, how, you, how much you invest in that craft and how important it is to you?
2: Well, what I've, um, what I've learned is if I have to think about a song really long, I'm starting off wrong. You know, so the, the reason, I say that to say this, the reason these stories hit you is because they're true and they come from my soul. They come from, they come from my core. I can paint them vividly because I saw it. I'm not imagining it. You know, a lot of my, sto- you know, if, even if even if a character I name is fictitious, it's just because I don't want to say the the real name of somebody that I actually am talking about. Mm. My stories are they're true. My, you know, when I when I when I convey these messages, they're not out of thin air. They're from experience. Um, so it becomes easier to to write those write those songs when you're just conversing to a beat. You get what I'm saying. When you're mm-hmm. just venting to a beat. When you're just you know, making music that you might think would be for someone else, but it's actually for you. Mm
1: -hmm. And,
2: And because it's for you, it feels that real. And then people who listen that have similar stories and can relate gravitate towards it. So storytelling has become a strength of mine because as life changes, the story changes. And when things get real, I jump in the booth every time. Mm, you know what mm. i'm saying like i don't that's my that's ended up being my therapist hence you get songs like therapeutic and things of that nature because it's it's i'm dead serious telling the truth
1: well in in my feelings like i mean just right off jump the first song on the album you like have a lot of a lot of jewels and a lot of really um things that i think a lot of artists might be guarded against like so you said that you were competing with hove um and you and you liken him to like mj and you being oakley can you can you talk more about that were you really competing with ho when you first came out hell yeah yeah
2: you could you, you know as a i'm from brooklyn yeah it's the most competitive in my mind the most competitive place on the planet you know we 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 for, even as little kids we raced straws in the fire hydrant like just to see whose straw got up the street faster like it's always been competitive mm. um so if as an aspiring rapper and somebody who lived 10 minutes from Marcy Projects, mm. and you see this guy just towering over the game and being looked at in such a light and putting on for your neighborhood, that's, although you um, although you celebrate it, you also try to line up next to it, if mm. that makes any sense. It's like, mm-hmm. all right, yes. Thank you for putting on your fire. Your shit is crazy, but here I come, right? Mm. And it's not, it's not nothing like, it's not an they should fuck with me. It's like, yo, there's room for everybody, right? You know? So that's, I gotta, I gotta be able to have people in the barbershop bring me up in a, in a rap discussion. And I have to be able to hang with a gentleman like that. You know, like I shouldn't be able to just get shut down. Like, yeah, but Jay-Z did this and like, oh, yeah, and I, cool, my, my conversation just withers away. I gotta be competitive. I gotta stay fresh enough to at least compete with the elite. You know, Mm -hmm. so those, you know, Jay-Z was inspiring to me, you know, on my come up. I wanted to be like Jay-Z, man. I wanted to, I wanted to be in those discussions because like, I consider myself like a freaking a barbershop hero, Mm
0: -hmm. you know,
2: like I I get all my awards in the barbershops. Mine's don't come in the form of like Grammys and things of that nature. Mine comes in the form of, yo, did you hear this? And then the conversation goes for two and a half hours while people come in and out and get haircuts. You can't buy that respect. And that's where, that's where I, that's my ground. That's where I live. So Jay-Z was considered as somebody with bars forever. So if I'm going to come in the game as a, as a wordsmith, that's my competition.
1: So you talk about barbershop conversation and Brooklyn MCs. I got to ask you this top five Mm -hmm. Brooklyn MCs, excluding yourself, excluding yourself.
2: Top five Brooklyn MCs. You got Jay-Z, you got Biggie Smalls, you have Big Daddy Kane, You have Brooklyn MCs. You have you got to mention Fabulous Man. He's he's kept the pen pushing for a long time. Mm. And um, I, I don't want to leave anybody out. Um, hmm. I got to insert myself. <laughs> I know you said no, but I got to be <laughs> in there. You know? It would just be blasphemy to not put. So it's right? all good. Yeah, I'm in the top five. Sorry. Word.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: That's a great list. And, and, you know, you talk about the barbershop and the Grammys, you know, last year, I know we're going to get the nominations, uh, I believe, next week. Did you see that that gap between those two worlds narrowing a little bit when you saw your boy Royce get the nomination last year?
2: The gap, which gap are you speaking to?
0: The gap between, you know, the barbershop Grammy and the Grammy Grammy. Did it narrow the gap? Like, did you see a possibility where where talented individuals like you could get that recognition when we saw Royce? And I say we as hip hop fans. You said. I yeah, we you saw. The, the, the problem I had was
2: was with the word gap, like and oh, and, and the, the gap is fictitious. Like it's just kind of like made up because Royce's allegory was just a fire ass hip hop album. Mm-hmm. It didn't matter if it got recorded in the slums or in a, at the top of a penthouse in L. A. Yeah. You know, and it, it, there's no you know, it's like. You know what I will say I do feel like people are people are realizing that it might be cool to just fuck with some good shit. Mm. You know, there's a cool factor on yo but did you hear this? Yeah. It, it, for a long time it wasn't that. It was just everybody's following this so I follow this. But now in the last few years I feel like it's been a lot of you let me put you on to this though.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And like finally it's 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 waking up you know, little areas and little fires are getting lit all over the place with people that might not have the biggest names or might not have the biggest major label backing, might not have that super charting record. People just are taking bodies of work, putting on headphones again and going, this is fucking fire.
0: Hmm. That's very well said.
2: The gap, yeah, the gap, you know, I don't know if there's ever a gap, but right now I just feel like everybody's paying attention to everything and all, everyone's getting a fair shot right now.
0: Mm. Yeah, I feel that too. You know, um, one day is aspirational rap at its finest. You look back at the hunger pains in your life, and you affirm, you know, what you believed then—that one day would change. Joel, was there a tipping point moment in your career when you felt like you were no longer like pedaling uphill?
2: Um, I'm pedaling uphill right now, dog. Like, to be honest with you, man. Um, at every stage there's another stage you want to get to if that makes any sense, Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm.
2: you know? So, you know, the, the kid I was talking about in one day was the kid that was just in and out the studio every single day would leave the studio and go back to the block, do some things he's not so proud of as the 41 year old man you're talking to now, you know, but, um, that was the world I was in. And I was just, you know, I'm like, damn, I need to wrap my ass out of here, man, or I'm done here. Um, and then when I, when I finally, you know, reached a certain point in the studio where I feel like my music was good enough to to present to people. I presented it to people. I got a couple of rejections, but I got accepted as well. You know, I got, you know, my Koch deal at a, at a young age and then Dr. Dre took notice and I got an aftermath deal and things of that nature. But, you know, I say that to say that when I got to that level, another uphill happened because now it's like, all right, I'm here. Now what? You know, I want to be I want to make sure that I put out great music. I want to be mentioned with, you know, I want these people that I aspire to be to somehow become my peers. So I had to level up again. Then when you get the respect level, like you do some good music and you have some stories and people start tossing your name around and become sort of household. And now you're in the room with peers. Now you have another level because now you want to compete with peers. Right. So then you have that going on. And it's just like, all right, how do I you know, how do I take it from, you know, no, notable MC and well-respected to, like, celebrated and, mm. um, you know, maybe, maybe award-winning, things of that nature. And, you know, I'm, I sit here on this interview with you guys now, and I haven't got any of those major accolades, but I get wins in everyday life. You know, I take care of my family, still doing what I love to do. You know, I get to um, inspire other kids. I put on producers. I put on artists. I, I'm still a heavy hitter in the music thing but it's still an up, it's still a step. There's always steps, but I will say, I'll, I'll give you this though. Um, the first time I got a check, like any sort of, um, you know, any offering from my art, like the mm-hmm. first time I received anything, I, and I think the first time that happened was like, um, might've been, might've been raucous for a single I did, Brooklyn and Philly niggas with this kid, um, Pretty Ugly from Philly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think I got a check for, like, 500 bucks. And that let me know, like, all right, so I'm good enough to earn from this. You know? You know, so it put a little fire out in me. Like, all right, like, you're doing something right. Like, you're not bugging. You're not on the wrong You're
0: path. a professional.
2: Yes. Yeah. All right. At that point, you are now professional. Somebody gave you a check to use your music and put it out. So, Joel, mm-hmm. keep on keep on this path. But, no, nah, that's always a battle, bro. And, and and even just project to project, I try to, like, um, not not so compete with my projects, but grow, grow on them. You know what I mean? As my life changes, my story changes, you know, I try to tell it, I try to look at it through a different lens, not always that, that hood lens that um I come from, you know, I try to, like you know, I, that's why I talk about my wife on this album. That's why I talk about, you know, um just being somebody that, you know, aspires to, not you know on on, on uh, there's a line on my song OG why I say um uh how do I end that line hold on one second fellas um okay. listen up you'll always love your hood but when you leave you won't miss it much mm. like it took me it took me to get this old <laughs> to say that you know what I mean although I felt that for a long time
0: you get what I'm saying like yeah. it's
2: not you know like you got you know a lot of artists that feel that obligation to go back. And be like, yo, yeah. you know, what I'm, saying? I'm still here. And, you know, a lot of negative things happen that way. You know what I mean? Like, and, and it doesn't show growth. You're taking a step backwards. So, you know, uphill battles constantly because I, I go through things in real life. It's always a step up.
1: Yeah, I, th- I thought that was one of the deepest lines on the album. OG is one of my favorite songs, too. You know, but going back to what you said about accolades. I would, I would say you have received major accolades because you talk about one of those on uh, One Day. You know, so for people who really know hip hop, mm-hmm. they know what Stretch Armstrong has done for the culture. They know what Barbito has done for the culture, right? Mm-hmm. We talked about some of these MCs they put on, like Biggie and Nas and Jay-Z and yes. Big L. Yeah. And you talk about what it felt like to finally, you know, reach that level where you were on a Stretch Armstrong show, this time on Hot yeah. Night of Seven. So can you talk about how that appearance changed your life? Whew,
2: man, I mean, first of all, shout to Stretch Armstrong for just giving a kid with Brook from Brooklyn a, a shot to just rhyme, you know, in front of people on his platform. Um, Stretch has been one of the, probably one of the most genuine people I've met along the way. Um, all about the art, all about the art, and um, you know, as a 17 year old kid at that time, see, before you start seeing the world, you're just neighborhood. Right. So neighborhood 17 year old Joel associated the radio with winning. Like you made like that was making it like, you know, so like him being like, I right, Joel, like Thursday, we're going to do, you know, we're going to do the show live. It's going to be you. It's going to be Bon Pacino. It's going to be Lays. See, I can remember these names like this. It meant so much. And I still remember them. You know, it's going to be these guys and, you know, pretty ugly will be there or whatever. And we're going to just rhyme. We're going to put the beats up and y'all just freestyle. And I'm like, on the radio? You're like, mm. you're like, yeah, on the radio. And I remember like preparing for this, writing rhymes, crumbling pieces of paper, you know, rehearsing in the mirror and going up there and just giving it my all and then going home, because it was late, his show was really late, going home, going to sleep, amazed, waking up, and and being a new person in my projects. You understand? Like, what he didn't, I don't know if he knew that would happen, but it just changed, it just changed my trajectory. It changed the way people looked at me. It changed, It. I instantaneously turned from, yo, Joel is probably one of the nicest kids in our neighborhood when it comes to Cyphers, mm-hmm. to like, Joel is on.
0: Mm. Mm.
2: Joel's on. He was on the radio last night. He held his own. He's on. L- love on him right now. Poor Henny with him right now because he's about to get the hell out. <laughs> 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 Stretch Armstrong did that for me, you know. Mm. And um, I you know I'll thank him forever for that.
1: Mm. You know, there's a lot of what I, I I think of as sliding doors moments on this album. You know, that that's one of them, right? Like, so there's the movie Sliding Doors where. I don't know if you saw it, but the character like is trying to get on a train and they missed the train. But then they show what their life looked like if they'd made the train versus if they didn't make the train. You know, it's it's a, it's a real cool concept. And you I'll check have that a, out. Yeah. You got a lot of those sliding doors kind of moments on, on your album. You know, so, mm. um, you know, one of them is about aftermath. Like, you know, you talk about like if you'd stayed a little bit more patient and stayed on that. What do you think? Life would have looked like for you if you if you had done that one differently.
2: I honestly don't know what life would have looked like, and that not knowing sometimes is it causes anxiety for me when I think about it. Mm-hmm. You know, the not knowing. I'm very i'm more i'm well calculated. I like to you know, I like to know what's going to happen and things of that nature. I wouldn't change my path though. Mm-hmm. Regardless, it would be nice to know what would have happened, but I wouldn't change my path. I'm very happy with with where I'm at now, mentally, physically, spiritually, all those things, but I will say that I'm disappointed in the fact that I didn't make that decision by myself.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: Like it wasn't something in my, it didn't come from me. Like, yo, I think aftermath isn't the right move. It came from somebody I no longer work with. I choose not to name his name. I'm I'm, I'm just in a much better place than that. But it came from somebody that was dealing with their own insecurities at the time. And when we got there, that machine of aftermath and Interscope looked so much bigger than what we had built that he felt in jeopardy and asked me to exit and my loyalty followed behind him.
1: Mm,
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
2: you get what i'm saying yep. so if i could go back i might have had a conversation with him but like and, and really say but why why should we actually leave is it really because you think that you know we're going to be shelved here or, or this isn't the right place based on us being here for a month or is it because you think that i might snub you you know i might not see as much value in you as you think as 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 as, as i might think because of not being around dr dre and kirtis and or in the machine of Interscope, you know what I mean? So that aftermath sliding door, I wish I stuck my hand in that shit and let it reopen real quick, like, and it was mm. on me. And I didn't let somebody pull me and say, let's wait for the next one.
1: You had another similar theme on Uncle Chris' car, right? Where you take, you talk about if the car yeah. turned left instead of turning right, and you go into yeah. a different neighborhood, right? But yeah. do you think you were born to be an MC or do you think your life circumstances led you down that path?
2: No, nah, I was born to be an MC. I was born to be an MC. Um, watching videos as a, at a, you know, at a young age, my mom would, li- would listen to, um, you know, Michael Jackson, Anita Baker, um, Patti LaBelle, and Michael McDonald, and I would watch all of these. I would watch all these things, and I'd sing them back word for word. I'd perform for my mom. Um, you know, like it was, it was definitely in me. Um, if I would have, um, if I would have made the, made the right instead of, left, or left instead of a right on the other block, um, I just would have been an MC from a different perspective. Mm,
0: mm-hmm. mm.
2: You know, my
0: story would have changed, but I still would have been telling it. Quiet. You get, you get it. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. You know, MCs today seem like they chase clout just as much as musical greatness. You know, for you, you've you've really celebrated the fact that you deliberately keep a low profile. What are some of the benefits of that, you know, in your estimation, after you know, amid a 20-year career?
2: Um, sanity. Um, peace, you know. I got a glimpse of what, what that next level could be like when I was next to Eminem, mm. you know, and I got a glimpse of what, his, what a day in the life is for somebody like Marshall. That shit is um, tough. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it made me appreciate that I can go to Home Depot, if that makes any sense. You know, it made me appreciate that if I'm really hungry and I want something really quick, I can jump into a Taco Bell and it won't be a big deal. Yeah. You know, like um not being in a fishbowl and, and, and having the public's eye on you for every single thing you do. You know, um, I can be I can be I don't have to. I don't have to be anybody else but myself all the time. I love that. You know, yeah. when, when I jumped on this Zoom with you guys or, and whatever, I don't know if you guys are going to say that's what we're doing or whatever, but I'm just saying is I didn't fix my clothes. <laughs> you know, I didn't, I didn't say where's my outfit to present to the Ambrosia guys. I just was like, I'm in the studio and sweats recording and now I got to do an interview and kick it about autograph. That's it. That's Joelle. Yeah. You know what I mean? I love being able to go somewhere with my wife and maybe one or two people come over and they're just like, yo, it's like the almost the way I carry myself made it made way for fans to handle my brand a certain way. Mm. You get what I'm saying? Like I've been places eating out with my wife and my kids and like sat across from somebody that looked like they were paying absolutely no attention to me. And then we finish up take care of the bill and he stands up and goes, Yo, man, big fan, you mind if I take a pic?" Yeah. That shit is the fucking best, man. Mm-hmm. And it's because he respects my space. That means that he's in tune with me. He knows that I'm not that guy. I'm low profile and things of that nature. I love it. I love it that way. I love to do regular stuff, you know. So I can't even imagine a world where that shit would get stripped from me, where I can't go to a to a beach with my family, where mm-hmm. I can't go to an amusement park and, and and Dorney and just be like, yo, let's bug out and get on the rides. Like I love I love that shit. I'm too much of a human to get that shit stripped. So um twenty, you know. I got glimpses, you know, with the slaughterhouse and the shady shit and the aftermath shit, but somehow, like, my spirit just wouldn't. It didn't allow for it. I think. It, yeah. I think it guard. I think it guarded me. I think it said, "No, you can still do what you want to do, but that stuff, it's not. It's not really yours." And even if, any, even if the day does come where I move up in popularity and, um or do stand on the stage and accept awards and do things of that nature and play big stadiums and festivals and stuff like that. I'll still do it the way I want to do it. And I'll still carry it the way I want to do it. I have, I have great training on how to handle those situations. So I feel blessed that I'm, I'm low key, but not low key. If that makes sense.
0: Hmm. You know, as you mentioned, you know, the glimpse of it that you had is a perfect segue because at the top of 2020, you crook and Royce guested on Eminem's I will. And, you know, I remember when we spoke in that studio you're sitting in today three years ago, you know, we spoke a lot about Slaughterhouse's past and future. I'm just curious to you, you know, what did that collaboration? I know it was a few weeks before 2020 got, you know, very different than we anticipated. What did that collaboration, you know, with the guys and M mean for you in terms of creating a new chapter?
2: Um, to be honest with you, that record was something we did while we were all together rocking and rolling. Hmm. Um it wasn't a brand new record. And that's the way the music, the music thing works sometimes. Like, sometimes like it's all timing, right? Like it's all like, yo, I remember, remember that one joint? You know how many sessions I've been in where it's like, yo, pull up that one joint. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and everybody's like, oh shit, forgot about that. Yo, that would be crazy. I feel like M had that moment with I Will, you know, for yeah. his album. Like, yo, I want to get the guys on it i don't know what we should rhyme on and somebody might have said yo remember that one joint (laughs) and he was like yo this fits this is it yo joelle you're gonna be you know if it's all right with you blah 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 of course and let's go i'm glad that's gonna see the light of day it was one of those you know what i mean so i'm glad the world got to hear that shit because i'll tell you right now as an artist our computers are Mm. loaded with shit that people might appreciate and we like second guess or say it doesn't fit a project Mm -hmm. things of that nature to be honest with you so you know i'm happy that i will came out and um that i got to got a chance to um dance alongside you know crook and royce and m again
0: and i know for you i mean i'm imagine it's kind of like the move on song it allows people to not dwell on what if it gives it gives that like yo you got that you know yeah
2: yeah yeah and it gives i mean like people were excited about slaughterhouse and then the excitement level went up one notch when we got next to somebody like Marshall. You know, because right. it was just like, these are the fucking four barsmiths, wordsmiths. Like, and now they're next to this guy. Like, this shit is crazy. So anytime that you get us next to M, it's always going to be like, yo, this is going to be a fucking bar fest. So, mm. yeah.
1: yeah. There's a lot of reference to sex and rap music. I mean, a, a ton, right? But there are very few actual love songs. You did that with Lifeline. You know, uh, why did you decide to, like, t- to do that?
2: Um, it's the first time that I felt like I needed to address a woman that mm. was in my life, besides my mom. Mm. I've been telling the story of my mom for a long time, the struggles, the ups, the downs. My mom's been there. We struggled. We did this. We were on welfare. Mom, mom, that was my woman for a long time. I'm now a married man, you know, Mm -hmm. I felt, I found, I was lucky enough to find a woman that um, completes me. Mm -hmm. Um, I never, I always tell my truth, right guys? Like I always just, you know, I'm always gonna give you my truth. So when when Heatmaker started making that beat, my pen started moving and I started talking about her. Um, We also, you know, me and the Heatmakers work with a, a fantastic young artist on Staten Island. Her name's is Juliet. She's the one singing the hook because um, she was in the session as I started writing it. And, um, yeah, it just felt right. It just felt right to talk about it. it you know, it, it, it was identifying. It was an identifying moment. It's like, yo, Joelle, look at this. You know, if this was a few years ago and this beat comes up and you're talking about a female, you're probably talking about somebody you met the other night. You know what I mean? And, and how, and how the club was crazy and, you know, the story is different, but like this time you get to talk about somebody that you're building with somebody that snap, you know, grabbed you out of that, out of that chase, sat you down, showed you your best, showed you who you are in your best, you know, make complete you and, and, and kind of like saved you again from something else. Like I've been saved multiple times from the music, saved me from the project from the projects. Um, my boy Dennis, saved, my boy Dennis Wynn saved me from the projects. He was the guy coming to pick me up every single day and bring me to the studio. Hmm. And when I got to this level and I got a little bit of popularity, a little bit of cash, a little bit of clout, I'd rip and run and be out in these streets or whatever, you know, chasing down these women. And then my wife came along and she snatched me and saved me from that. You get what I'm saying? So it's just like all along my journey, I kept, I keep getting saved and um, I got to make music about those those instances and about those people and those experiences so lifeline you know my wife is my lifeline you know like in very in very many different ways many different ways so i wanted to do that song for her
1: so what was her reaction like when you played it for her
2: so the really cool shit um is i played it at our wedding without her knowing as my vows
1: oh wow. oh wow that's crazy
2: yeah so we got married um in saint lucia in may and um Congratulations. she prepared her vows and she was you know she prepared her vows thank you and um i had that song queued up <laughs>
1: nice.
2: yeah so um yeah. yeah the whole wedding was just like what the hell i was
1: gonna say happen?
2: like yeah <laughs> like I've not a dry before, eye but i heard vows before but the premiere of a song is like come on man like yeah and she stood there and she stared at me and she cried and we had a moment and it seemed like that song was 25 minutes, man.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I believe
2: know? it. <laughs> yeah. You know, I was just like, all right, is this too long of a vow? Like, it was the, we just got to the hook. <laughs> yeah. Because it just felt like it was just people. I was like, I turned and looked at you know our wedding guests, and they, it was just this. It was this from all the dudes. Like, damn, you just made it hard for me. And <laughs> it was fierce <tears laughs> for all the ladies.
1: <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Damn. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sure. yeah did uh, you did you know at the time that you were going to share it with the world too or, or was it just for, for yeah yeah i didn't so i
2: didn't it was a um it happened about a, a week or, about 10 days before the wedding i got contacted the hotel and our wedding party and told them this is what i'm going to do and they were just they all were on the phone like that's amazing mm. you know so i just went ahead with it you know why did you
1: decide to share it
2: because uh you mean why i want to share it at the wedding
1: no, nah, with the world, with the world on the album.
2: Uh, it just feels right, you know. Yeah. I've been, I've been, I've been trending in the right direction with uh, doing things that feels right in my life, mm. and if, and it felt right, you know, a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of my fans, I know a lot of them want to hear me uh, with triple entendres, metaphors, similes, and you know, wordplay and gutter stories and stuff like that, and I'll always give that to them because that's a piece of me that'll never ever die out or fade away. Cause it's you know it shaped me, but there's more to me. You know what I'm saying? Mm. And um, I'm not 20 anymore. I'm, some of my fans aren't. They got jobs. They're nine to five. They got children. They can relate to that. You know what I mean? They know what that feels like. Hopefully, you know, um, they meet somebody like that. But I just wanted to you know show another, uh, uh realistic
0: side to me. Mm. When you talk about setting an example and how people approach you when they see you out, I love a song like that because for folks that might not make themselves vulnerable, you know, you make it cool, you make it normal, you make it reasonable. And that even you sharing the background of the song with us here, that's, I just, you know, I salute you with that.
2: No, that's dope and I appreciate that. And I think that um, there's something that needs to be spoken to that word, um, vulnerable. Like, Like, sometimes it's just honesty, you know? It's just honesty and if that makes you vulnerable okay but it's not speaking in in vulnerability it's just speaking truth you know I like that That's a I like to just be I like to just be in my truth my own truth man
0: That's very well said I mean with that you know you got a song in there it's on our playlist right now called Therapeutic and you Thank describe you. in the uh, of course you describe in that song your music's role in your headspace but in one part of the record you talk about listening too and I'm curious you know does that does that apply to listening to your own music? Is that therapy for you? Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely.
2: Um, you guys ever walk down the street and talk to yourself?
1: <laughs> <laughs> we've,
2: we've, we've all done it. I don't care. You know, like let's get rid of like the big, you know, we've all done it. And um you've ever you ever uh you ever calmed yourself down in your own big head? Time. Mm. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So Music, music does that for me sometimes. Um, uh, I listen back to my own voice, and um, I listen from the different places and energies that I delivered the music from. Right, so you know, on some down days, I might listen to something that was up, upbeat, just to just to remind myself that all right, it's Sunday and I feel like blah, but Tuesday I was rocking, so I'll rock mm. again. You get what I'm saying? I'll rock again. I'll have those Tuesdays again. You know, and um, you know, my voice, my message from my voice back into my ears is like a, a system. <laughs> it's like a system, a cleansing system. I like get, it's like exhaling and inhaling. You get yeah. what I'm saying? It's like my music is like breath sometimes for me, mm-hmm. you know? So like, I love, I love to um, go down into my, you know my basement and my little man cave and play songs even in Aurora's form without mixes just to see where I was at, just to listen back. I love to listen to the pain. You know, I like to listen to those songs where I talk about struggle, because then I look around and I go, wow. And I feel accomplished again. And I go, what the hell am I slumping for? What's wrong with you? You know, cause um, I haven't met a person that's doing well that doesn't have a down day. Yeah. Mm. So now I know that you'll always have down days and it's alright to have that. But my music helps me sometimes on those days. And um, it picks up my spirit. And I hope it does that for some people that listen, too, because I make it for that reason, to be uplifting. Even though I'm talking about struggles in time, I try to always be triumphant in the ending. You know, I I try to always give a positive message in between, you know, just to let you know that it's not always, you know, rock bottom.
1: So what music besides your own do you find therapeutic?
2: The the, uh, songs that I grew up listening to with my mom, you know? Mm. It's those very same songs. I jump back to um, the Anita Baker albums, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, Sade and uh, you know, Lionel Richie, and mm-hmm. Stevie Wonder's. I just, you know, just even if they're happy songs, they just take me to a place. Mm-hmm. Even if they're sad songs, they take me to a place. Even if they're relationship songs, they take me to a place. It's not no. It's not necessarily the content. It's the sonics. Mm-hmm. It's the sounds that make me feel eight again you know it's the it's the um the influxes and certain voices and melodies that take me back to you know certain memories that i find font you know fond you know uh, you know i'm fond of um certain um yeah man that that those old vibes man they they sometimes let you escape if it's just for a minute you know what I mean? Just for a little bit, minute, so that all the noise that's around you and the, and the pressures in society and these damn phones and social media and all these, things, all these things that are on you and the access to more information that we've ever had in our entire life. Sometimes you need a calm. And those songs, they all registered with my spirit before the hecticness. Mm-hmm. They all registered when it was all calm. You know, when, when things were just, you know, my what's for dinner? this okay cool oh shoot then it's the menace is on yo can't wait for the new teenage mutant ninja all the saturday cartoons it takes me to that spot and that's my happy place
0: Right, yeah. man i feel that you know and i always appreciate joelle you always kind of rap with a one-to-one you know dynamic with your listener oftentimes you rap with like an interior monologue like you break the fourth wall all the time and at one point as we're talking about you know therapy and, and just mental health all that on one day you, you confess that like, yo, I just rapped about something I've never even spoken to anyone about. Is there something liberating in doing that? Like, is there something like thrilling about being a songwriter and having a breakthrough in real time like that? Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And it happens in the very moment
2: that you actually put pen to paper and do it. Mm-hmm. Cause then it finally leaves your mental and it gets into the physical. You know, it's it, it's it's here now. It exists. It's not only yours no more. And you fit in that moment, you feel lighter. Like mm-hmm. you don't realize, you, we we as you, we don't realize how much we carry, man. You know, that's why it's so hard. Ho- it's so hard to keep a secret because they weigh on you. It's not because you're you want to run around being a tattletale. They're on you. You're just like, Ugh, it's mine. I, only I own it. Like, why do I need this responsibility? So like yeah. those story, those story like that story, that particular story, like for so long it was just like, mm, is it when's the right time to tell it? Should I ever tell it? I even had moments where I pa- packed it away and forgot about it, you know. And uh, you know Apollo's beat brought that out. You get what I'm saying? So, um, yeah, it felt liberating to get that off my chest and off my spirit. And um, maybe Kamaya, you know appreciates hearing that you know maybe she maybe it was our thing for a long time and she goes damn you know he remembered you know through all that he's been through he remembered my pops that day you know yeah. you know like maybe who knows maybe it did something maybe it didn't but I know for me it got it got it, it came off of me I felt lighter in that moment and um when that when that when that happens it, it, it it's it's uh it, it it confirms that I'm I'm doing the right thing
0: thank you it confirms you and uh you and Sy High worked together on Holy Ghost which you know respect to Sheik respect to Crook you know everyone but that's my favorite collabo and autograph that's 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 a special chemistry how did that partnership I mean especially you guys are in different regions you know how did that one come to be I reached out to Sci High as a fan you know when uh Namir Blade
2: shout out to Namir Blade Blade, up and coming producer doing a bunch of stuff um when he sent me that beat and I I, sur- I saw the changes and and I started laying down my first verse, I instantaneously was like, all right, whoever gets on this needs to be able to not only just be a barsmith, but they need to be able to say something that's very important. And I want it to come from someone that I've never worked with on, an, mm. on a record with, you know what I mean? On an album, you know? So I instantaneously started going around in my mind like, damn, Psy High would crush this. And I reached out to him and he was like, yo, let's go. Like, let's go. I sent him a joint. He was like, is there
0: any direction? I said, hear the music and let your pen move, you know? You know, both you guys are top tier lyricists. And and as you were describing earlier, you know, you both signed major deals and maybe things didn't go as they should have gone, but both of you found success and made incredible albums. I know he just has the one, but a great catalog. You, You both found such success on your own terms. Do you think, those overlapping histories make for better art when we talk about collaboration. I'm glad you picked up on that, Jake, because that that was one of the things that went into it
2: too. I'm like, yo, know, me and Sade's story is kind of, it's kind of in line with you know, always, always right there, but it never quite for whatever yeah. reason. But but all along, super respected and loved. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, and um, yeah. So being able to like work with him you know, because we did a, we did a cypher years ago. It was a team backpack cypher. And it, yeah. And, um, it was me, him, Jared Bennett. I forgot the kid's name. I forgot. Anyway, but me and Sahai, Jared Benton. Yes, 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 yes. yes. But me and me and, me and, um, me and Sahai bodied that shit. And like, it's one of my, one of my, my fans' favorite, uh, freestyles and shit. So, you know, I thought, I, when I reached out to him, I, I mentioned that shit. He was like, ah, "Ha ha, you remember that shit?" <laughs> and it was like a you know, a, you know, a, a little laugh moment and, and things of that nature. And um, yeah, it felt. I know I'm drifting, but it just felt good to co- reconnect with someone that um, that stood on the stage with me all about the art. Like, cause we didn't get anything for doing that. Like, we just it was just another place for us to rock in front of people that day. It was in Bushwick, Brooklyn. I, was it Brooklyn or LA? Sorry, I'm sorry, I'll be traveling. But I forgot where it was, but I just know that it was a stage and it was just about rhymes that day. It wasn't a big, mm. you know, it wasn't a big deal. No one got paid and nothing like that. It was just rock out, rock and roll. And, um, you know, to be able for us to, to jump on a, a track together and for it to come out and be on a part of my project when our last run-in was like just something that was just for the fans, it just felt all the way right. And being being with Sahai, you know, he went through a, something tragic recently. You know what I'm saying? Like he had a, a run in with some, you know, some negativity and, you know, he almost lost his life. And I honestly didn't even think he would be, I didn't know what, what it would be, what his response mm-hmm. would be. He still was on deck for me and um, that he's a real dude for that, you know? And um, honestly, like, I feel like I can feel a little bit of his pain in that, you know, in his delivery, you know what I'm saying? Like, and, um, cause that was kind of fresh off of his stuff. Like I know y'all got the music now, but we did that record like kind of fresh off of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um this incident. And um, I'm just happy that he rocked out with me. And uh I wish him all the best. And shoot, it um it feels good being in company with you know, with somebody that I regard as a as a as a celebrated MC.
1: Yeah, that, that was a crazy story. What happened to him. You know, he, he's also one of those MCs who talks about the wisdom he's learned from the things that he's gone through, you know. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, there's a cer- certain bit of mourning to that, but it's definitely like gratitude for like coming through it and yeah. like you know get to a better place. So OG is is one of my favorite records, right? Um, Jake reminds me all the time of how much older I am, you know, than
0: uh,
1: <laughs> he is. Uh, you know, but hip hop is a is a, is a genre where people are always chasing youth, right? So why did you decide to go the other way and make a song about the things we all face as we get older?
2: those things I'm talking about in OG, you know, Home Depot and picking up the gazebo and, uh, you know, my wife, me having licensed guns now and going to shooting ranges with my wife. And that's, those things keep me young, (laughs) right? So like, that's just me. That's my happiness now. Like my happiness has come from different places, you know? So like, I'm just, you know, talking to the people from this place of mine you know where I'm at now um yeah and you're right you're right Reggie like we are we we, we do exist in a culture where it's just like people will even go as far as to ask like yo, how old is he or how old is she like after listening to a song you're like you can be in a studio session and like y'all want to play something for you You play something yo that's that's fire who's that blah blah where they from boom boom, boom. they're young like, why is that? Why does that matter? You know, like it's all about energy, right? So, like, I'm an energy guy. You know, if I can get around a bunch of twenty years, twenty year olds, and have a bunch of fun, that's all that should matter. Hmm. You get what I'm saying? I don't gotta look. I don't gotta look twenty, dress twenty, act twenty. I can look to, look look forty, dress thirty two, and and act eight. <laughs> like it is what is. It's just energy shit. You get what I'm saying? So. You know, on OG, I just wanted to let people know where I'm at. What what brings me my happiness is now um, celebrate some wins, you know, talk about how they had us had us counted out. You know, I got, you know, I got to I got to see another side of things, you know, you know, for years, I lived in that that box, that project box, two blocks this way is the liquor store, two blocks that way you go shopping, two blocks this way you go to the park and hoop. It's just it, that was it. That was the world, you know. Sold drugs over here for a little bit. Got fresh. Stood on this block. Tried to bag the chick from that building. That was my world, right? And then music ha- has me well traveled. So I saw that there's more to it. It's the same thing in life, like you know, I'm no longer, I'm no longer. I don't have things and very much things in common with with uh, with the block at the moment. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not where I'm at. It's not where my energy lives anymore. I can still write from that place. I can channel that because that's a piece of me, right? But I can't, I can't stand there like that and do that those kind of things anymore. I'm a married man. I'm a father of two. I'm a homeowner. You know, I you know, my, my stresses don't come from the, the oh shit of the cops around. My stresses come from, can you believe the fucking boilers broke? You get what I'm saying? Like it's different, you know, Joel or i I'm the I I I made it, you know, yeah. I'm making it. Yeah. You know, and it's okay to be that. It's okay to be that. I don't have to, I don't have to run from that truth. You know, I don't have to, I don't have to. Um, not want to be the OG. Like, that's the thing. Like, you know what I mean? Like, with our culture, it's like, people don't, like, being called OG can sometimes be offensive. I see people like, what do you mean OG, man? I'm happy. You called me the OG. That means that you called me somebody, you recognize me as somebody that comes from what you came from, left it, didn't leave their roots, but, saw something else and it's now teaching us. That's what I, mm. that's why I associate an OG with. So it's yeah. flattering to be called the OG. I don't associate OG with being old. Mm. That's maybe that's why I made that song. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean old. It just means experienced.
1: Mm. Yeah. You talk a lot about, you know, where you've been versus where you are now. Was there a moment when you knew you'd made that transition or was it a gradual process?
2: Still making a transition, mm. still making a transition. You can't, You can't pull 30 years out of me for the last 10, if that makes sense, mm. <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm saying? Like you gotta understand my record deal came late in the game. I wasn't a little kid, you know what I'm saying? I was already 26, 27 years old. Mm. So up until that point, I was, a pro- I was a product of my environment. There was 27 years of rooted hood stuff in me. You know what I mean? Uh, being a part of, you know, the street life, you know, I'll leave it there on all levels on all levels you know so then, then getting a break in music but still even during the break having one foot on a corner still you get what I'm saying like mm-hmm. that is tough so like the I would say the last 10 years of my life has been the super focused musician creator solely you know mm. so I can't you can't get rid of the 30 just like that, you can't put thirty against the ten. You just be like, you know, the ten. Is, there's still parts of me. I still, mm. I still get on the phone with some people up to no good, but they're my friends. Mm. You know, they're my friends, and I hope that our conversations, you know, might might push them in a different direction. You know what I'm saying? I still talk to people from Brooklyn that think that uh, New Jersey is the furthest place in the plan. I'm just like, it's just right, right over the bridge. You know what I mean? Like, so, um, you know, I love, I love people that that come from the place that I came from. That'll never, ever change. I don't have to love the place I came from, though. Mm. And that's what I understand. You know, so I don't get on the phone and call my projects. I get on the phone and call my people who are in the projects at the moment.
1: So we just got the autograph from you. It's available on all streaming platforms, Apple, Spotify, wherever Mm. you can find music. But literally right now you are talking to us from the studio. Uh, yeah. you, you got you loading up more stuff. What, what what's what, what, what you got going on?
2: It don't stop, dog. Yeah, <laughs> it don't stop, man. Yeah, man. Um, I, uh, I, uh, I was writing before I jumped in on, on this interview with you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, man, um, like we spoke, spoke about earlier in the interview, it's therapy for me. It's, um, it's my form of expression. It's something I love to do. Um, So if not, if I'm not in the house, adulting, being a husband, being a father and doing those things, then this is where I hang out.
1: Mm.
2: You know, I hang out in the environment that, um, that I, um, that I eat in, Mm. you know, I hang out in an environment that, um, that takes care of my family. You Mm -hmm. know, there's some days I just come to the studio and I'm just kicking it with the producers. I'm just talking to aspiring artists or two that might be here. I'm just, I might just be listening to beats but I'm, I'm in my cre- I'm in my space. I'm in my creative space. I'd rather be here than anywhere else. If it's not the house with my loved ones. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, am I recording every single day? No, I'm not a robot, but, um, do I like being around the studio environment? Hell yeah. I, I wouldn't have it any other way.
1: Word. Well, it's therapy for us too. Thank you for the food, my brother. Thank yeah. Thank absolutely. you. Yeah. I appreciate you gentlemen. Appreciate Likewise. you. Alms autograph. Go out, stream that, buy it, whatever you can do. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Peace, man. All right. Thank you. Peace. Peace. Peace.